Hi again, everyone. Thanks for listening to LJN Radio and the podcast Moving Up the Ladder. I'm your host, Tim Muma, and for this episode, we're once again going to take on a little different role for this segment. We're going to call it Myth versus Reality. Tackle some of these so-called experts and what they tell you is true or false when it comes to your job search, management, or even as a general employee, what happens in the office. To do that, we're going to bring back on Jim Weber. Now, he has more than 25 years of experience as an employment lawyer and a human resources manager, so a couple different perspectives there. He also does a number of workplace investigations, so he has that insight as well. Jim, thanks for coming on the show once again. Hey, it's my pleasure. Yeah, it was a lot of fun last time, but also very insightful. So we brought you back for another round of myth versus reality and looking to get again that honest, open opinion on some of these statements that we hear experts like to give us and, uh, you know, break it down. Let us know if they're real. So you ready? I'm ready. Let's let her rip. All right, let's do it. Uh, Let's start with, this is one thing actually came up recently with uh, my wife and I, just a discussion of this. Most job descriptions are pointless or misleading. What do you think? I know from personal experience that this one is reality. It is so real. One of my former careers as an HR manager, I had to draft these. But then as an employment lawyer, I often would audit policies for companies. And one thing I would do, honestly, the reason we did it was it was a way to generate fees for the law firm because it took a lot of time. (laughs) (laughs) But it was a good process to do. I would go into companies and I would look at all of their job descriptions to to see if they were any good. And I would find the most ridiculous kinds of things in the job descriptions, things that did not apply anymore. Last, oh, this is just a year ago, a secretary who had to have good technique of running a mimeograph machine. I don't know what that is. Exactly. Okay. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) They're they're so out of date. And what I'll I'll talk to people and they'll say, well, it says other tasks is assigned, so it covers everything. Oh, nice. (laughs) I mean, if you read a job description, it's you get done reading it and you don't know what the person does for a living. And that's right. a problem. That's a problem. I'm curious why your wife and you were talking about it, though. <laughs> well, it was similar to that, where it was, just, it was really long and it's like, there's no way they're asking you to do all of this stuff, at least not well. So I guess that'd be my question <laughs> is, is it just a matter of they're trying to cover all their bases they don't, or they don't really know what the job is? I mean, what have you noticed from your experience? Well, I think it's laziness more than anything. I think most job descriptions probably started off as something simple and accurate. But then over the years, as the job changed, people would add to it instead of just redrafting the whole thing. So you end up with this really cumbersome document. Right. I mean, no, no job description should be more than a page. In fact, it should not be a page. I mean, it should be a couple <laughs> of bullet points of what to do because otherwise, what the heck? Do you have any other suggestions? I mean, since we are talking about the subject and you're saying it is a reality that some of these descriptions are poor any other suggestions to offer up to those that have to draft these? Well, yeah, I, I would go to the people that are currently doing the job sure. <laughs> and say, here's your job description. <laughs> how, how close is this and what do you really do? I mean, at least it should be something that wasn't written by the Disney company because a lot of them seem like a fairy tale that have no bearing whatever on the real job. So I would ask the real people or, or follow them around. <laughs> I might find a, an English major Oh. who maybe maybe did not speak English as a first language and have them read it and say, all right, is this clear or not? Right. Because, right. you know, you don't want to, you're not writing it for a lawyer. You're writing it for a real person. I right. mean, not that lawyers aren't real people. <laughs> wow. Well, you were, you were one. So, right. Uh, you, you can say that. It's fine. It's fine. I can say that. I know a lot of them. They're very nice as individuals. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. I think that's a good start because I have heard plenty of that kind of idea that job descriptions, uh, are lacking in a lot of ways, or they just have too much, as you said. So yeah. we'll count that as a reality for sure. I think so. <laughs> uh, let's go to another one, uh, maybe in the same realm. 
Candidates who change jobs often are frowned upon. And I say the same realm because obviously looking at job search and looking to hire candidates. So candidates who change jobs often are frowned upon. Yeah, I'm going to say overall, that's a myth. Okay. I mean, there's going to be some instances where that'll be true, Mm -hmm. where they really will be frowned upon today. I think 15 years ago, this was very true. Okay. I mean, it kind of shows where something that's a myth today was a reality yesterday. Right. And I think that's where a lot of today's myths come from. They're realities that should have expired. (laughs) Um, And part of this is generational. I think, you know, not to get ageist, but younger employees today probably look more normally on people moving around for different opportunities. It's not take one job and work there till you die. Whereas older professionals and managers that have been there for a while, they may look at it it as a lack of loyalty. Hmm. And so this is a little bit harder to call because there may be some places where that that is real. But it, it all comes down to a lot of these things, Tim, that if you take any one of these sayings, they can always be real or false. And it all depends on context, because what it depends on is, you know, why did you move? You know, did you move because right. you're about you're about to be arrested for fondling your secretary? Okay, that's a, that's a bad reason for moving. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know where <laughs> to go with that one. <laughs> but a good example, a good example. Well, I like what you I like what you said there, though, that, you know, maybe this was a reality, like a hard, firm reality 15, 20 years ago that this would be frowned upon. But now there's some leeway. Is it, you said it was generational a little bit. Does it have anything to do with the recession and people understanding that, hey, if there's an opportunity, I got to take it? I mean, what other factors would you consider? You know, I'd never thought of that as part of it, but I bet that is. I was thinking more just that people's values change. Right. And it, it used to be that staying on the job was a sign of loyalty. And then now the value is what's best for me. Mm-hmm. And if the grass is greener and the, you know, the perks are better over there, I'm going to go over there right. if it's career development. You know, some places might look down on you for not changing jobs because it looks like, you know, you weren't doing good enough to get huh. recruited by somebody. So you're not, you're not popular enough. I know some law firms, if you didn't move around very often, they wondered what was wrong with you. Sure. Yeah. And I, I think, again, a great point that maybe that wasn't been the case a number of years ago. And we actually talked with our corporate recruiter, I think it was about a week or two ago, we had him on a show. And, and he brought up that same point that, you know, he sees it also as a myth. So I think you guys are on the same wavelength as far Yay! as the idea of moving <laughs> Validation is always good. It always feels good. All right. Let's see what we can do with the next one. Uh, benefits are more important to employees than salary. You know, within reason, I think that's reality. Okay. I mean, if someone says, I want you to work for free, okay, the salary is going to be really important. Valid. But, you know, <laughs> offer me a million dollar salary. I'm going to think that's pretty significant, but we don't really get those kinds of disparities in the salaries. And the perks are really important. I mean, mm-hmm. especially today with health insurance. I right. mean, my, my personal experience working with law firms for years and it was all covered. Yay. Take it for granted. <laughs> went out on my own, start trying to find health insurance. Right. Um, it, it, that was a big benefit, but I didn't appreciate it when I had it. You know, I read a, a study, uh, I think it was last year, maybe it was 2013, that Aflac put out, I think in their workforce reports, they do this every year. And they said it was 68% of the employees who are satisfied with their overall benefits are also satisfied with their job. Hmm. But they looked at people who were not satisfied with their job, and they said 5% of the people who are satisfied with their job, they weren't satisfied with their benefits. And oh, so wow. that they're, they're, they're making a correlation that there was a direct link between sure. being satisfied with your job and the benefits in addition to salary. I right. mean, it's a balance. It's a balance. And of course, as you said, the extremes obviously can come into play. But if we're looking in that, in that middle ground, so to speak, would you say to an employer, if you're speaking to a group of them, to focus a little more on that or at least get that out there as, you know, these are the benefits that come along with 
this salary that, of course, might not be what they're looking for. I do advise employers to do that if they want to recruit and retain the best people. I tell them not just to focus on the benefits they offer and the extra perks, but to make sure that they emphasize them to people so they understand that this is something you know, something special. And I also tell them that these benefits don't have to be big high ticket items all the time, mm-hmm. like, you know, insurance or, a, you know, a, a 401k plan. It can be things like, you know, simple things you offer in the break room. It can be something about the ambiance of the office. I mean, you don't have to go overboard with, the, you know, a pinball machine or something, but, <laughs> you know, little things can mean a lot to make the office environment more, more welcoming, more appealing, more comfortable. So I think there's a whole lot of different benefits employers could be looking at that really people look at in addition to the salary. So in putting you on the spot here, Uh any crazy or interesting, unique benefits that have stood out to you in your experience? Uh, Yes. It it was actually one that was attractive to me. I thought I might actually want it myself. Um, (laughs) There was a place that said that when you were working there, you could have a kitten Oh. To hold, not not to take home. You didn't have to take it home, right, but they, right. you hold the kitten while you were working there. <laughs> and I thought that was pretty cool. But some they, they actually ended up getting an ADA complaint because somebody was allergic to cat hair. Oh, so, geez. It, <laughs> so it goes to show it can work both ways. Right, right. That is a unique one. I've never heard that one. My engineer, uh, she really appreciates cats, so she was getting all excited right there. I like that one. So, <laughs> another one I thought they had um, open bar Friday. Oh. Yeah, they had a problem with that one because a lot of their employees then ended up with DUIs. So oh, it, it didn't work out. It didn't work out as well as they hoped. But Yeah, well, well-intentioned, but uh, the execution didn't work out for them. It was very popular with the employees. I can imagine. Yeah. All right. Well, something for those uh, employers to keep in mind. You know, sometimes they don't work out for you, but you can give it a shot. Uh, we got one more here that has to do with you know landing a job or, or trying to uh, acquire that position. And then we'll get into the workplace a little bit. You will be judged in an interview based on your apparent age. So we're looking at looks here in this case. I think that's a reality. Mm. I, I, it's not supposed to be. If you talk to interviews, right. they will always say, no, 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 that doesn't matter. But it does. I mean, they've, they've done a lot of studies where they will send people in that are either made up or of different ages that have identical qualifications to someone who is younger looking to see how they get rated by the interviewers. And it, it makes a difference with mm-hmm. a lot of people. And it can make a difference because they wonder how the person is going to fit in, sure. uh, how, the, you know, how they're going to, if they're going to work well with everybody else. Are they about to retire? Are they too young to know? I mean, people do it. And what I found that was really funny is, do you know what people define as an older applicant usually? I don't. Somebody 10 years older than them. Oh, Okay. So it's so it's subjective else. based on who's doing the interviewing. It, everybody, everybody else who's not ten years older than you is a younger applicant. So ah. you know, I interview people now in their nineties, so I think they're middle aged. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that begs the question, and I guess it's always up to that individual person who is going to be interviewing for a position. Would you ever suggest doing any drastic changes? So if you're an older individual, you dye your hair so it's not white or gray. Or if you're a younger individual, you do something that's going to give you that appearance of age. What are your thoughts on that from your perspective? My perspective is if you're going to do anything cosmetic or physical to look different, you want to be very, very careful Mm. because the only thing worse than looking the inappropriate age to the interviewer is to look like you're fighting too hard against your age. Ah. <laughs> I was like, oh, there's, you know, there's a bad toupee. I mean, when, it, when it's, uh, well, I interviewed a guy once and he was really nice. He was qualified. He was so full of enthusiasm and he had the worst toupee I have ever seen in my life. Oh. 
I thought maybe it was one of those reality show hidden camera things that they wanted to see what I would do because it, it didn't quite like fall out in his soup, but it was almost that bad. Oh, man. And I, I wasn't sure what to do because I knew the department that was going to be working with this person would, they would have, well, they would have probably harangued the poor guy into an early grade by laughing at him. But, you know, he was great. And I, you know, sometimes you just have to roll the dice when you're interviewing and decide, mm -hmm. even though all the lawyers tell you not to do it, I'm going to be honest right now. And so I did tell him, I said, you know, you would be great. I said, I got to tell you, I've noticed that you're wearing a hairpiece. Mm. And he goes, oh, people tell me it looks really natural. Oh. And <laughs> this is when you have to use the other interviewer technique, which is have a poker face and don't say what you're really thinking, which sure. is, oh my gosh, you're hanging out with blind people. <laughs> um, but I did not say that. But I said, well, you know, it, it's, you know, it's, it's, Sitting here in this in the fluorescent light, I mean, I tried to make oh, up nice. something. That's why. And I said, "Have you thought of maybe not wearing it to work?" He goes, "Well, I want to look youthful." And I said, "Well, you know, you do look youthful." And I think they would look at. Do me a favor. Let's schedule your second interview for tomorrow, but come back without it, and let's just see how it goes. Uh -huh. He got the job. He loved it. He was happy. He even thanked me a few weeks later and said, "You know, it's a lot more comfortable. I don't have to wear that." And right. I thought, you know, it's you probably. True, not having all those artificial fibers on top of your skin. <laughs> I think it was made out of angel hair from the Christmas decorations. It was pretty ugly. Oh, man. No, but, you know, physically, no. But what people can do is act confident and act energetic mm. and act enthusiastic about the job because that, that transcends whatever your age might look like or appear to be. Because if you can show that you're interested in the work and you know the work and are ready to go, I think that will go a long way for most interviewers. Bad interviewers, they'll, they'll say, oh, you look too old. Or sure. too young or whatever, but the good interviewers can see through it. And my advice would be not to think about it too much. Just act like it's not an issue. Right. I think uh, good practical advice for both sides of the table there, as, yeah. as you mentioned, both the job seeker side and as well as those doing the interviewing. All right. So good practical advice. We were talking a lot with those subjects about, you know, whether it's getting a job or maybe you're putting that job description out there, take it into the workplace. Career development is the job of the employer, myth versus reality. Well, you know, it depends on who you ask. Uh, I think the actuality is it's a myth mm -hmm. because career development, that is an individual's life. That's up to you to do. And the employer's job is to train you for the job itself, you know, on the job training right. and things like that. But this is something different from training. This is your future in your life. And one thing that I think makes a lot of workplaces uh, less than they can be now is an attitude by a lot of workers a lot of people that the employer owes them a lot more than they do. Mm. And I think that holding your employer responsible for all of your future job growth is, is unreasonable. At the same time, I think employers should be supportive of that, you know, help identify programs if they're there, you know, and be reasonable about accommodating people's training desires and things like that. But not every employee should be developed for higher level of work because they're not going to ever get it. Some people aren't cut out for certain types of jobs and they mm -hmm. don't have the temperament for it. And if somebody has it, then they should go for it themselves. But I don't think it's the employer's job to do that. I do think that some employers look, when they're trying, we talk about perks, they want to offer right. perks. So they say, well, help you develop your job and right. develop your career. When you look at what they're doing on the job, it doesn't look like they're really doing that. They use it to attract people in. But once you're there, there's only so far you can go. You know, there's sure. one president, there's one CEO. <laughs> and so, you know, there's got to there's be some reality to it. I think career development is great. But sometimes I think what people are really talking about is they want to be able to get promoted and get more money right away. Right. And they're not, they're not really thinking about a trajectory. They're just looking at getting more for where they are now. But 
that's just my little evil cynical opinion. <laughs> no, I think you bring up a good point as far as the employees though. And there's this feeling that that should be a part of it on top of, as you said, whatever else they feel the employer owes them. So I think it's just a good word of advice that in reality, it's probably not going to happen that way. So take everything into your own hands kind of thing. Yeah. And sometimes it's just plain unrealistic. Right. I, I mean, I, I do a lot of investigations and people are talking about feeling discriminated against or something. And one I hear a lot is they'll say, I didn't get promoted. I didn't get the training that this other person got. But it, you know, it turned out that what the job they wanted was, you know, a certified accountant, but they had never, never gone to school, didn't right. have an accounting degree, didn't even know how to add. Um, <laughs> but still, that's what they want to do. So somebody should help them do it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Fair point. Fair point for all those listening. Pay attention to what exactly <laughs> is going on there. All right. Speaking of fairness, that is the topic of our final myth versus reality statement today. Fairness is more important than equality when it comes to employees. I think that is the most real one of the day. All right. It's reality. Everybody thinks they want equality, right? but they don't. Because what everybody really wants is the exception. <laughs> you know, I, I want this rule that always, it's, it's like the traffic laws. You know, I think, you know, I'm all for traffic safety. I think it's great. And when other people are speeding and you see them pulled over, you think, yay, police officer, you're doing your job. You're big. But when you see the red lights behind you and get pulled over, right. you're going, wait, I have a reason. And this one time you shouldn't. And so I think the same thing applies in the workplace. You want everything to be equal unless it's going to bite you on the behind, in which case you want it to be more flexible and fair. I think what people want in the workplace is fairness. I mean, equality is important for civil rights, mm -hmm. for the law and all of that kind of stuff. When we get into the workplace, those laws already apply. And so employers can't well, legally aren't supposed to treat you differently because of your race, your religion, your sexual orientation. And that's a great thing. But when we're implementing our rules on attendance, when we're deciding who to promote, mm -hmm. these are all things that are not something you can throw facts into a computer and the answer is going to come out because right. pe people and jobs and workplaces are so diverse. You can't, it's like our other myths versus reality. You can't have one thing covering it all. And so you have to be flexible, which means some cases are going to be different. I mean, you had a rule that said, if you are late to work three times in one month, you are fired no matter what. To be equal, you would have to always enforce that. Right. But what if that employee, the third time they're late, they come in and they're, you know, they're covered with smoke and, you know, they're 15 <laughs> minutes late and you say, what's wrong? You said, oh, I was driving to work and in front of me, uh, a van drove into a bus full of preschoolers and nuns. <laughs> and I, I jumped into the bus and I saved all the preschoolers and all the nuns. They would have died if I hadn't done it, but it made me late for work. And you went, wow, you're a hero, but you know, we've got this rule. So we have to fire <laughs> you because we have to be equal. I mean, that would be ridiculous. Right. And I think that is a great example. I mean, not that it has to, not that it has to go to that extreme, but as you said, they're going to be hopefully a, a somewhat of a common sense understanding when it doesn't apply. And as you said, we'll we'll, uh, we'll get to that in another show uh, that people can listen to talking about employee or company handbooks. And that uh, obviously plays a role there as well. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jim, uh, I definitely appreciate it. Uh, as uh, last time, you know, great insight, some perfect examples uh, for people to listen to and hopefully clear up some of these myth versus realities. Of course, as you mentioned, some Sometimes they will apply the other direction depending on your specific situation. But I think uh, you do a great job of shedding light on all of these. So thanks again. Oh, hey, you're very welcome. And once again, that was Jim Weber. You can check him out at jimweber.net. That's W-E-B-B-E-R.net. You can also find his blog, Evil Skippy at Work, where he gives you a lot of this inside knowledge with some extra snark on top. 
If you want to get in touch with us about this show or any of our shows, send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com or find us on Twitter at the LJN. For everyone here at LJN Radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.